0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Someone asked me not long ago, Pastor, do you preach stewardship sermons? What a good question. A fair question. Pastor, are you going to talk about money and and finances and and tithing and and all that stewardship stuff? Is, Is it something you ever talk about? And my answer at the time, and my answer if you ever ask me, is absolutely. Jesus himself talks and teaches us about stewardship. But if you're asking the question, and you really want to know about stewardship, you got to start somewhere. Today in our gospel text, Jesus starts somewhere. I would submit to you this day that this very text from Luke 16, which also probably is one of the most misunderstood texts, is the best stewardship text that Jesus uses. It begins with a rich man, a wealthy man, who has a manager. The manager's job is to, to oversee all that the rich man owns to handle his accounts to be his right hand. Perhaps you can relate to that in some way, shape, or form in terms of your employment or vocation. Even if you're a student, you have teachers who are your masters, teachers who give you things to do, homework assignments, things to read, perhaps chores around the classroom. If you're employed in any way, shape, or form, this is one of the first things you learn. You learn what the master wants done. And if you want to be successful, you learn how to do it. So the rich man has a manager, but now charges are brought to the master that his manager was wasting his possessions. So the first question that Jesus would ask of you or me is, how you doing with that? Have you wasted any possessions that have been entrusted to you by your master, by your boss, by your teacher? Things that you were asked to do that you simply just didn't do. Things that you were supposed to keep track of that, well, you know how life can get, right? Right? Perhaps you've taken it even a step further. You have sinned greatly, perhaps even done something illegal. And the master finds out about it. And he says, hey, you're done. I've been there as a boss. I've had to deal with employees who have stolen, who have wasted I've had to be that bad guy that tells them that they're fired and when I've had to do that in the past, it's pick up your stuff and leave. You're done. But in the story Jesus tells today, the first thing you'll notice is He doesn't fire them and boot them out right away. Did you notice that? You see, this story probably really wouldn't work in the real world. The master has evidence that the manager has... Not done his job. And what does he do? He lets him still handle the books. Turn in your accounts. So the first thing you learn about stewardship is, stewardship the way you may think of it, is not the way God thinks of it. So this manager calls in all those that owe his master money. He does that after first thinking to himself, what am I going to do now? I'm not going to be able to get another job. I've ruined my reputation. I'm not strong enough to go out and, and do basic day labor. And I'm ashamed to sit at the corner of 421 and 465 and beg. I know what I'll do. Ha! Huh. He has what I would submit to you is a Myers, a Kroger, or a Best Buy Rewards card moment. You know about those, right? Spend a certain amount of money, buy so many things, and you will end up with some sort of, of bucks that you can redeem. It's always nice when they tell you that there at the checkout. Oh, You have $10 on your rewards card. Would you like to redeem that today? Duh! Why are you asking me? Take $10 off my bill now. Of course I want to use it. The manager, though, gives a discount without the approval of his boss. And he does so not for trying to get them to be continued customers or to come visit their store instead of the store across the street. Oh no, this manager is doing all of this for himself. The second thing that Jesus wants you to ask of yourself is, why do you do the things you do? Why do you work so hard? Why do you save Why do you do the things that you know a steward is supposed to do? What's your motivation? What's your desire? Sure. We have good things that we want to do for others. And that's part of being a new Adam, one redeemed, one of faith. Sometimes that's just part of being a good neighbor. The little part of you, when you drive by and see somebody in need you, you want to give them something. You want to help because... Well, that's just part of loving your neighbor. But there's that other part of you that is thinking only for yourself. The manager here, he is thinking about where he will live. What houses will receive him? How can he have not only a reputation, but how can he be provided for? He's thinking only about himself. I remember back when I was in first grade, I was pretty young and naive. And in first grade, there was this really nice girl. I know, first grade. Her name was Becky Steffens. She had four or five older brothers, and, and they were all the types of guys that I hoped I would grow up to be. They were rough and rugged. They played all the sports but they weren't the crazy kids either. You know, they were were good students. Everybody liked them. And then there was the caboose to the family. Little Becky. I had a first grade crush on Becky. And for a while, all I could think about was, was how I would appear to her about trying to make her notice me. Yeah, first graders do this, parents. Sorry to tell you that. And so one night, we had some sort of of, of play or, or production, something at school. And I remember after I got dressed up, I stood there in the mirror and I thought, Becky won't like this hair. Maybe she'll notice it if I cut it. Now my mom had always cut my hair, had special cutting scissors or shears just for that. And I knew we weren't supposed to mess with those, but I went and got them. And I took those shears, and I stood in front of my mirror. Do you know how hard it is to cut backwards in a mirror? But I was only thinking about myself. I was only thinking about Becky. Needless to say, the word razor came up later in the conversation, and we'll just leave it at that. Who are you trying to impress? Whose eye are you trying to catch? What houses are you trying to be welcomed into? And remember this day the words of your Lord, your Master, who after His death and resurrection has told us exactly what He is doing for us. Before I have gone on before you, behold, I've gone on before you, He says, to prepare a place for you. A place with many rooms. Do you have in mind, in the midst of your stewardship and your life, eternal matters? Are you thinking about the words of Jesus where He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy? Or are you only thinking about the Becky Steffens in your life or pleasing those around you thinking about your accounts, your houses, your cars, all of these things growing, keeping up with the Joneses, building your rewards accounts. So the manager goes to those who owe money. Ironically, they both owe a hundred measures, one of wheat and one of oil. The first one that the manager approaches, he gives, well... He gives one heck of a discount, does he? 50% off, that's pretty good. 50% off. Take your bill quite quickly before anyone sees what we're doing and pay the 50. The next one doesn't quite get the same deal. And don't you hate that when other people get better deals than you? And oh, by the way, you pay attention to that, don't you? Because you want life to be fair and equitable all the time. Because the stewardship of a sinner, the one that lives within you, is always looking out for numero uno. Is never happy when other people get good deals. You want them for yourself. And Jesus, your master, has come this day to point that out to you. Because if you're going to talk about stewardship, you've got to start there. With your situation and mine. How much do you owe? A hundred measures of weed, he says. Take your bill and write 80. Now, interestingly enough, and this is where it gets confusing for people, Jesus tells us that the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Well, of course he did. He's not commending him for his sinful actions. He's commending him and recognizing how this manager is looking out for number one and how he's done something about it to take care of himself. But understand where Jesus is going with this. He continues, the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And then Jesus states a matter of fact, I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, and when it fails, you'll be received into the eternal dwellings. In other words, what dwellings are you working towards? Unrighteous wealth is all around us. It's mammon. There is no way you can live in this life and not deal in some way, shape, or form with unrighteous wealth. But we as Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Jesus is not telling you to use unrighteous wealth in any way you want, to try and impress the Becky Stephens of your life, or to do all that. Oh no, he's simply asking you, what eternal dwellings are you saving for? eternal dwellings of those who pursue mammon is quite clear. Eternal fire, the better word for all of it, is idolatry. You shall have no other gods, your Lord says, your master says to you, and yet you do You hope maybe that you can get away with the ways of the world and and just do 50% of what God asks. Or maybe you're doing really well and you've done 80%. But let me tell you, God demands 100%. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy, he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not 80% of it, not 50% of it. And not only that, love your neighbor. And not 80% of the time, not 50% of the time, 100% of the time. You see, you and I can't pay the bill that's owed. We can't do it. And if you think you can, Jesus comes to you today with this text to confront you. And say, hey, stewardship begins with me. Because you cannot serve God in money. You can't do it. It's like playing in fire. Now Jesus isn't saying that you shouldn't manage your money, you shouldn't use it wisely in all of those things. He's saying, hey, don't think about your money and confuse it with spiritual things. Because you are but a steward. You are but a steward of the Heavenly Father's possession. Which leads us to the last and most important point. All that you have is not yours. But it is God's. The clothes on your back, the money in your accounts, that which is in your billfold, even, dare I say, your children, your family, all of these things God has given to you to watch over and to use now these things with great joy, with great diligence storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven through faith in Him that He will provide for you. Because you see, there has been a good and faithful manager. And it's not the guy in this parable, nor is it you or me. The faithful manager is the Son of God. Jesus Himself who comes and does everything, follows every law. Jesus Himself, who comes now and pays your bill, and not 50% of it, not 80% of it, He pays 100% of it with His own blood that now covers over you in your baptism. So that when the Master, your Father in Heaven, looks down upon you, He sees you robed, covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And he says to you now, now that you know this, believe this, you're free. You're free to serve. You're free to give. You're free to help. And he makes bold, audacious promises to you. He tells you that the temptations when they come, well, He tells you that He's faithful and that He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. He says that with the temptations that will come, He'll always provide a way of escape. That you'll be able to endure it. So don't let money and stewardship and these things scare you off. Look to your Savior. Your Savior who has served the one true God for you and gifts to you His righteousness. Who this day even invites you to His family table and feeds you with the bread of life. And who sends you forth out these doors to live as good and faithful citizens. To be good bosses and employees and employers and students. And when you screw up, and you will, Know that forgiveness comes here for you. God grant us this starting point if we're going to talk about stewardship. What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasures? When you and you alone, Lord Jesus, are my treasure. You only, dearest Lord, my soul's delight shall be. You are my peace, my rest. What is the world to me? In the name of Jesus.